0: Hello there. Welcome to the Maker Manager Money podcast, a podcast about entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, founders, business owners, and business partnerships from startups to stay-ups to inspire entrepreneurs to keep going and future entrepreneurs to just start. My name is Kyle Knowles and it's Tuesday evening in London, England. My guest this evening is Stephen Karen. Founder and director at Scale Digital and pre investor at Kaizon and 59A, all firms headquartered in London, England. Steven's been doing digital media. media I'm sorry, Steven's been doing digital media for a long time, since even before the internet. Stephen, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, Carl. Nice to see you. How are you?
0: Yeah, it's very nice to meet you for the first time face-to-face. I know we've been going back and forth uh, with emails and things, but I'm happy to be here in London at your headquarters for Scale Digital. Uh, 54 poland street that's right and uh, downtown soho yeah right near the theater district i passed several theaters coming in uh this evening so uh thank you for being here let's go ahead and uh, start off i I gave a very short introduction but you have a long history of being in media why don't you tell us about your entrepreneurial journey well yeah well
1: it's um i I think the the thing that always sticks in my mind when I think about that is that none of it was intended, really. You know, digital media didn't exist when I was at school. So there wasn't something, you know, my daughters asked them what they want to do, and they said they're quite clear. I didn't really. I felt that I wanted to go into business, I think. And, you know, when I studied, I started out doing maths, but I didn't really like that. So I went back a year and did politics and business <laughs> and social administration as a, a sort of fairly wide-ranging educational journey and when i came out i still didn't really know what to do but i fell into a job that sort of started this journey and as i was saying to you earlier about online information and this was what we used to call the media in those days because it was before the internet um and i just got into that game there was a company called alcatel were a french company who were way ahead of their time and they had these peer-to-peer boxes where you could plug them into the phone line and communicate with people and these you know there's things you see on the old 80s films where people are typing and the, the little green writings flashing away and we were selling subscriptions into businesses to to use this style of communicating and it was brilliant i was driving around london yeah. um you know, presenting this stuff to businesses and i loved it um and i, I you know, I just knew that was the career for me, you know, that I mean, that was an analog product. But as the right. as the digital world, um, you know, started in the mid 90s to really, you know, blossom, particularly around the dawn of the Internet and search engines arriving. I got into the search side of things, search technology and then later search generally, particularly in, you know, how brands were using keywords and terms to monetize products and and sell stuff um it was great and I continued to enjoy it always clients uh, so, sorry agency or network side never client side so i've always been selling never buying um i think that would be the you know there's the one side some people are naturally client side or brand side i was always uh, agency or network side so i was in search for 10 years from the mid 90s to the mid uh two thousands and then got into what well, then those days was called affiliate stuff, um affiliate around acquisition type activity. So what people these days called CPA and those sorts of things. I don't know if your listeners know much about that, but it's really how brands are able to use advertising and pay out on an acquisition metric. So Tracking technology allows brands to to see that a sale has been made and pay out pay out a commission on that. I did that for ten or twelve years, um, and about five or six years ago, an opportunity came up to start my own business. The company I was with at the time—a long story for another day—we um, parted company, and I'd, I'd had a sort of decent payout from that. And you know, I thought to myself, "There's ever a time I was going to be able to properly go it alone." It's now, so I took the plunge. And that, you know, that takes us the last six years. So we've grown the business to, you know, three and a half million pound turnover. We're very excited. We've got 17 staff. We've recently opened in Germany. We've increased our capabilities into other channels. And um, I'm lucky enough to have a great business partner, Dom, who's um, currently doing a month in Cape Town and working down there. I don't always necessarily think the word entrepreneur is right. Uh, it's sometimes... Possibly think an entrepreneur might be somebody who's inventing something or building some technology, but I suppose anyone who's who starts up, you know, like we did, literally with a couple of laptops and thinking to ourselves, right, we better better give ourselves a name, you know, literally at the beginning, and that that's the sort of start of that entrepreneurial journey. So this is this is really my first time at being an entrepreneur in in scale. So you've been an
0: entrepreneur for six years, then.
1: Yes, I was involved in one of the businesses some time ago, but I was a junior member of that group. We'd started a company, but it was, it wasn't really an entrepreneurial uh, exercise then. It was different. We'd sort of had a product, and it, th- but this was there was nothing. There was no turnover, no company name. We had a, yeah. you know, we registered at company's house and thought, right, let's get some clients. You know, <laughs> let's pick up the phone. So I guess in that sense, that's my first proper entrepreneurial experience.
0: Were any of your parents entrepreneurs?
1: No no not really no. no nobody who'd started a company a uh, few business people who who did well but no, no not in that sense uh of starting from scratch and, and none i don't think i can't think of anyone no okay
0: yeah so but were you entrepreneurial growing up or anything like that did you uh, ever no, sell things no
1: anything? i wasn't actually um i was i loved sport really when i was younger i grew up in a village in kent and we were sort of an outdoor classic background and the Eighties or whatever you know, seventies and eighties. No, I hadn't. It, no, no. There was. No, I don't think there was any signs that we were going to. Or I was destined for a life as a founder of a business and, and developing it and, and, and building it. So uh, I think it's probably a surprise to everyone who knows me. Okay.
0: So what? What was the the tipping point when you had the opportunity to go your own way? Yeah. You talked. You talked about story for another day, but. What was the tipping point that well, made you go, I could do this? It,
1: yeah, it was that, I think. I can do this. I mean, my previous job I was an MD of, uh, of an ad network, and we had an exact number, 140, 160 staff or something, five or six offices. Um, but I felt that the, the the channel I was working in deserved a, a new way of doing things, I think. And within the sort of network model, I felt, you know I had great friends of mine people you know people you know and people like Jeanette for example and others who you know work in these great agencies and it's so exciting in this area right where we are here now in Soho uh, creative strategic commercial agencies of people having a great time solving problems challenging themselves I mean I, I, the word agency is to you know to be a for franchise or to, to or franchise to represent something or someone, and I always liked that as a notion. Whereas I felt the network model was a bit more reactive. I wanted to do something proactive. So really, the opportunity came around that to drive agency behaviours into the channel was um, really that moment. I thought this is this is something I can do. You know, the way that we interact with our clients and our media in this channel is as a, as a classic agency should. And we've enjoyed doing that. You know, there is some some other ones that are good out there, Um, US in particular, of course, like always. Uh, There was another thing that the technical platform that we specialize in, which is a business called Impact, um, they were entering the UK at the same time and they were scouting around for partners and we landed on on them through connections and so forth. And it was just a good timing as well on that front. And we decided to be specialists and sort of exclusive with them, which re- remain to this day. They're great friends and partners of ours. So it was a little bit of synchronicity at, the, at that time. You know, I was in the right headspace for it and had a bit of money so that I could sort of pay myself for a, for a period and, uh, you, you know, the technology platform all coming together. So we thought, right, let's go for it. And it was very exciting. You know, it was a bit like that feeling of being thrown over the edge of the Grand Canyon in a barrel. You know, it, it's okay. What's going to happen next? But I mean, I think the thing we've learnt throughout is that you live on your wits or by your wits. You know that you could constantly be hustling. Um, you can't always take no for an answer. You've got to go back, keep going back to the well. You know, or the, uh, quite right, but keep. You know, keep it, not not always accepting the, the first version of everything you get. You know, it's um, you know you, you've got to have a thick skin got to be prepared to sell sometimes you're selling things that aren't fully formed certainly at the beginning you know you're you're almost selling things and learning about that topic at the same time you've also you know as we were joking about earlier about you you'd be a good all-rounder you know i think me personally i'm not a specialist at anything really but i'm a good all-rounder competent all-rounder because there's things to finance or staff or dealing with the landlord or contracts we write our own contracts you know you've got to be a a bit good at everything, I think. That's, you know, for an entrepreneur, I think. I mean, if you're a specialist, then you need a partner who's a bit like me, I think. You know, somebody, particularly in tech businesses, they have the ones we mentioned earlier, Kaizen, 59A. You know, they're a combination of very specialist talent, you know, mixed with good all round business people, you know. And I think that's the right blend for entrepreneurs in our game.
0: And so did you go to school for business or what, what did you do in school?
1: just the basics of a you know a late 70s early 80s education in in England um a mix of subjects again nothing special special that would have signified a f- further career I, like, like I said earlier I really didn't know what I wanted to do I had I had some faith that it would work out for me and uh I would, you know, get land on my feet. And I think in some ways I did. But that first job, selling the Alcatel, that really was the fork in the road that moment to, to get into. And I thought, right, I've, I'm into something now I like and I get and I'm motivated by, you know, and I'm quite fascinated by digital media generally. You know, I I like it. You know, everything, all these apps on the television and when you when I see the adverts and the way they work and everything, I I, I enjoy thinking about it. Um, So it's good to be motivated by something. I don't think you could run a business like we do in the way that I was talking about with having to hustle and sell unless you're motivated and enjoy the topic, which I do. So my education didn't really form any of that. That was a a fluke.
0: And and so there's nothing really from your bachelor's degree that you utilize today?
1: Uh, Yeah, there is actually. Um, Consumer behavior. I remember a module that I enjoyed doing which was specifically about how people respond to ads and, um, you know, what their decision-making process is when they, you know, exposed to advertising Um, and a few other bits. I mean, commercial law was one of the modules and that helps me. um, So, yes, I suppose there is actually now you you say I hadn't really thought of it in those terms before, but, yeah, um, consumer behavior was a great, a great module that I really enjoyed. And, I, and I, that probably got me thinking as well about advertising generally. And
0: then, so you were selling Alcatel. Were you a, a business manager? What, what were you doing when you were um, yeah, yeah, selling? Yeah, we were out.
1: selling, it was more like subscriptions and you got the Alcatel okay. machine as well. Okay. So people would buy, so there was a combination. It was related to credit information really. So the founder of the business who'd offered me this job um, had used to be an accountant and he developed this uh, product for, do you know, Dun & Bradstreet? Yes. So they were com- competitors at Dun & Bradstreet okay. so you could get information on businesses so they created this database of these reports with a combination of companies house information and county court judgement information on news and so on so if business A was looking to go into biz- business with business B they could look it up by dialing into these Alcatel reports and we also gave them these horrendous printers, Kyle, that used to noisily print off the report as well. So the clients would get a subscription to the printer, the Alcatel machine, and a certain number of reports where they could dial in and it, make, it would make that dreadful noise Remember when you dial into something, yes. that screeching noise. Um, but but everyone was fascinated by it. In those days, there was no congestion charge. so I used to drive around London. We had people making appointments for us. And I'd go into these businesses and sell this modern technology to them about online data, uh, which fascinated people. And, you know, rather than having to wait two weeks to get a report in the post, they could just plug it into the wall and get it in seconds. So
0: the, the modem would go off. And then when they had the report, yeah, I assume they were printing out on the dot matrix printers exactly. that probably had the feeder, yeah, exactly. the feeder yeah. guides in the printer. but yeah. <laughs>
1: so, You remember the printing paper with the, the, the dots down the yeah. side of it. Those, the tr- for the,
0: could, so it would be track like yeah. tracks yeah, that's for right. the printer. Yeah.
1: yeah. So it's fascinating. <laughs> so that I started that job in January, 1994. And I remember the day when I first came up to it, but it's, it's a good, quite a nice story, but I was offered the job. I was working in a golf club in Kent just after I graduated and, the, the the headquarters down in Kent and this guy used to come in. And one day he said to me, I really like you. You're, you're good at your job. Do you, fa- do you fancy a job? And I said, yeah, sure. And he almost overnight gave me, he literally overnight gave me this job and said, you're starting in London next week. And I, I remember arriving at Old Street Roundabout near where the offices were and on my first day, barely knowing what they did. I just thought, right, oh, you've just got to just keep going here. And um, every time I go past that exact spot, I remember standing there. So and that was January 94. So it nearly 30 years ago now. Wow. And it's gone quickly. Yeah. So, and of course, digital media generally is just transformed beyond, you know, imagination. Um, you didn't know what was coming. No, but I, I kind of felt that it was the right place to be. I think that was the, you know, I thought this is good. Something, something's happening here. And I remember we went to the, the in those days, there was these shows in Olympia called online world, and Alcatel would have a stand and so on. I remember going there, I think it was 95, and there was a thing called the Internet Village. So it was part of this exhibition. I remember it clear. I remember looking down at this, oh, what the hell is that? And as uh, so I went down there, the Internet Village, and they were saying, forget all this peer to peer, this now is a network of connectivity. I thought, mean, that's a good idea and uh of course straight away i got into that and and the, the business i was in is called infocheck it's no part of experience um they embraced it straight away so we ditched the alcatel thing and it became you know you'd, you'd use the internet to access this information and they branched out into other things as well like all these businesses did and it was just an extremely exciting time to be involved in you know the, the beginning of the internet so
0: you you were selling and when you're in sales i've always you, been in sales yeah always. and you, you have to use yeah. your wits as yeah. well right yeah as well as an entrepreneur do you feel like selling is a key skill of anyone that's started a business
1: absolutely well unless you unless you're like i said earlier so take those take um kaizen for example you know Prav and glenn you know Prav's the cto and a brilliant brain in building out ai t- technology because glenn is the business person and selling he's doing you know panels and keynotes and, you know, he's raising money and doing everything. So I think if you've got a partnership, because we're not building tech, it's slightly different. So we're just always selling, you know, that's different to, you know, we, we I mean, we are, we are actually building some products, but they're, they're more like widgets and tools to complement what we do generally, you know, to help our clients. But we're not a product-led business, you know, we're a classic agency. So you, you are always selling and you're, the minute you've sold, you know, the next things coming around the upsell or, you know, the contracts up for renewal. So um you, you have to be aware of that aspect of things, but well, you know, you're supporting your clients and you want them to come on a journey with you. But ultimately, you know, you're after things to be renewed when the contract's up. So yeah, selling's key.
0: And then did you get into the technology as time went on? Like, how did you end up Doing influencer and uh, Uh, social. How did you? What was the path to get to there?
1: Yeah, I mean, we have a bit of a joke upstairs about Stephen's never logged in, and uh, it's only half a joke really because I know I I know what the tech does. Like I'll make an understanding of what the tech does, and it'll you know synthesise with what we're doing generally, or a particular client type, or an audience type they're trying to reach, or. Particular ad metric they're looking to pay out on, and I understand that. But I don't. I don't log in and spend a thousand hours on these platforms. You know, or buying media or trading media. You know, the others do that. But I've got just enough of a grasp to understand what it does. And of course, we're always looking around for new technology within mobile. For example, we've got certain partners there as we built out our capabilities. You know, into mobile, we've had to understand that creator and influencer, connected television and. You know our classic affiliate stuff that we did, and even even into Amazon marketplaces, which is something we're looking at for next year. So, um, I think you've got to have a love of the tech and what it does, and then it gives you the ability to sell it. Um, You know, you've got to research something, you've got to know it's good, you've got to know that it can be integrated into because now there's a very important um, requirement to make sure everything's integrated, one platform talks to the other. Um, and the the verticals are different, so we have quite a strong emphasis in fintech. You know, and they're quite different to say travel and retail in what their requirements are. So it's a bit of a moving target that whole thing. So, but I think every agency is the same. You know, no two days are ever the same. You're you're busking a bit. You know, you're looking for the next angle um, and the next client, and you want a client. And you it's very important to us to have clients that come with us on the journey. Um, We've been working on a new contract recently and talking about a, a, a client covenant. You know, we want them to have a shared understanding of what we're trying to do together. An agency is is us, as I said earlier, representing a franchise to represent them. Uh, so we've got to be really clear and understand together about what we're doing out there on their behalf. You know, we're going out and talking to media businesses about running particular types of ads or influencers. You know, now it's so important with influencers. I mean, who'd have thought that, we as people would become the biggest media out there, you know. And these, I mean, my daughters—they don't consume media on the television or barely look up and see an advert on the tube or anything. You know, they they consume all their media on social channels. You know, and then that's you know, so we have to we have to move with that. That's where it is now. You know, so I think there's a there's a um, ability or instinct you must have to to, to go with it yeah you know, there'll probably be something new next year.
0: right. It uh, keeps changing yeah every day almost, it seems like. So how do you make money? what What does scale digital do for their clients?
1: Well, principally we generally well, the, I think the name that most people might know us is as a performance agency. So we are paid or our media owners are paid when things convert. So not just on eyeballs. I mean, the three key types of advertising, CPM, which is cost per 1,000, M being the Latin mill for a 1,000, which is principally a display metric. So just eyeballs, so someone can see an ad. A CPC, which is dominated by Google on cost per click. And what we do is CPA, cost per acquisition. So an advertiser will pay out when some event happens. So it could be an install or something. When you install, you register. It's probably happening to you all the time. You don't realize but when you do something, you buy something or you click on something, an advertiser somewhere is paying for that. And that's the bit we specialize in. And we, for the most part, charge a commission on what that commission is. We do have fees and retainers with certain clients, um, but it's all about performance. So a shoe retailer, may want to sell 100 pairs of shoes a day. Um, So we're targeted with finding places where those clicks might convert and we'll get commission on the, usually on the commission that is paid out to their media owners. So, you know, there's some shared risk there, and and advertisers budget for that. um, Normally in a sales budget and, um, you know, we fit into that mix of brand and awareness through to what they're doing with their search to the bit that we do with acquisition. So, um, we don't just have a big fee and go away and do things. It's a it's it's quite commission oriented.
0: And do you feel like that's what most companies that are advertising do now is as pay per- performance?
1: Uh, no, so, some do. I mean, there's this digital first type agency. I mean, London's got three of them. that are really good people. One's called Crowd, another one called Brain Labs and a third one called Incubator. Brilliant businesses. And they are, you you know, big. They're worth hundreds of millions and they are threatening the landscape against the traditional agency shops, you know, in this area. These old school agencies are, are looking over their shoulders at these businesses. But they have slightly different charging metrics because they have a bit more of a mixed... So they might be paying out. They might have a lot. Of their budget might be search budget or CPC budget, and they have different metrics for paying that. But it is largely performance based. But it's not like the old days where, you know, Sarchis or s- somebody like that, who would be on these huge, you know, millions of pounds a month retainers and big creative teams and everything else. Digital led agencies are, are do have the emphasis is on performance and and conversion and a ROAS or a, you know return on ad spend. So there is some shared risk. And I think advertisers prefer that.
0: Yeah. Because uh, they're not just spending money and not knowing. I mean, is it mostly because we can track all
1: this digitally, right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's the, that's the thing. These are not just ads that are passing people by and you, you know, your sales go up, but you don't really know why. I mean, this is very detailed.
0: Okay. So, uh, as far as uh, scale digital goes you also mentioned the affiliate mm-hmm. what how does that relate to performance or performance marketing agencies well,
1: affiliate was a word that sort of got retired a couple of years ago but it's bounced back a bit but really affiliate is desktop media paid out on a conversion so if you you're looking at a site that's top 10 mattresses you know you're looking for a bed and you go on a site top 10 mattresses and um, you click on one of those and you go through to the retailer and you buy the mattress that's a classic affiliate journey and the person or the media owner that had that list of top 10 will get a commission say somewhere between five to ten percent of the basket value of that so if you bought a mattress for £1,000, they might get 50 or £75 commission for sending, that, sending you to their site to convert. And that would be a classic affiliate journey. Um, but really affiliate is about that metric, the partnership between the media owner and the advertiser. There's, there's a partnership there because obviously it's in the interest of the media owner that you do convert. So they want to make sure they're sending the right audience with the right intention at the right time, ready to buy. So affiliate, you know, the word is you know to affiliate with each affiliate with each mm-hmm. other, um, but it it's it's a it is nebulous term a little bit because there's other things now influencers are increasingly affiliates because uh, the influencers are not just um, cr- creating awareness about a product although they still do but there's trackable links in their posts so again if they send you know they they're um, reviewing a mattress keep the same example and you go through and but you know they're bouncing on a mattress saying this is great that then you know there's a increasingly used term partnerships now where it's about a shared shared media experience between the media owner and the and the advertiser and i think that's the Affiliates, sort of the first time that was used. It was started by Amazon. Amazon started the first affiliate program, nineteen ninety something, where they realised that their own customers could be good. You know, so a referral system, or anyone who's who's sending you back to their site, is an affiliate. Um, Amazon has a huge, huge history in this. And uh, you know, if you ask them, where, you know, where they have started out in terms of getting customers, it was the affiliate journey.
0: Okay, and that's where the uh, affiliate links come in and, yeah. you know, if mm. you write a blog about a book and exactly. you use your affiliate with Amazon yeah. to get a little bit of commission exactly. of, of yeah. sending them yeah, there.
1: They were the first to do that, yeah.
0: Okay. And so do you do uh, landing pages or write blogs and things like that for affiliate partnerships? Or where where do you fit into the affiliate? Uh, No, uh, we
1: don't. But it's one of our many pivots ahead of us. You know, getting into the media side will be, I mean, AI now and the, you know, chat GPT type um, tools out there enabling advertisers to, to own a lot of that now. But no, we don't do that. We are, we glue the right media with the advertiser, that's it but the bottom, at the end, the most important thing. In the end, is finding the right media for our advertisers with the highest converting, best volume audience that lives in that media type. I mean, there's loads of other stuff that goes with it because of what we call a lot of hygiene stuff, you know, to do with payments and um validating every click and the technology and the plumbing and the reporting and all those things but the, fundamentally what we're about as an agency is getting that media form at the right price point at the right time with the right ads served to give the highest converting audience and of course as we what are we now for 14th of november or something yeah you know black friday's around the corner right literally so at the moment it's now um about finding the right black friday um media owners for our advertisers but what you've got now of course is very high competition the media owners are going right what's what has going to give me the best uh, revenue during that long weekend so you know that's what we're doing we're out there convincing them they might say to us okay well look, we've got a big newsletter going out on the Friday morning and th- in fact this is a good example we've got a big we've got a, a client called uh Yuffie, part of a uh, anchor which is a Chinese consumer electronics business they sell these robotic hoovers that go around the floor. Have you seen them? I
0: we had one, and, yeah. and uh, it lasted, lasted forever. Yeah. We loved it. Yeah, really, we love that. Yeah,
1: they're brilliant, aren't yeah. They? So they're you know they're making a big play here. Um, so we might find that as an example, there might be a, a media owner specialises in Black Friday offers for consumer elect- electronic products in the home, for argument's sake, whatever it is. So you know we're fighting with every other business out there. Um, so we might do a deal with them. We say, okay, 3,000 or 5 or 10,000 pounds. We want a feature in that newsletter that goes out on the Friday morning. You know, so it's the first thing that everyone sees. We're going to have a really competitive offer. The, the the media owner's got to know that if someone clicks on that and they go to the site, the user journey's good. So it's going to convert. That customer doesn't get lost because if the customer does get lost, they don't get their commission. So this is an affiliate because it's shared Mm-hmm. You know, shared risk with their, 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 it's their, it's their inventory and their media, so we're doing those deals in that way to make sure that these sales are getting converted. Okay, so uh, as far
0: as you mentioned AI, what kinds of things are you doing with
1: AI? Whew, loads of stuff. We're, do, we're doing. It, we're trying to do everything. I mean, Kaizen, for example helps us internally with our systems to read signals about everything that we're doing. Um, we're partnering with AI businesses who are giving us information about patterns to do with could be anything to do with the weather or if there's a sports match on or something's in the news, you know, what's converting because it changes people's behaviours. AI to help build creatives. So you can just put a picture of a product and then the AI tools. You can say, I would like a, this picture to look like it's – sorry, this product to look like it's, you know, sitting in someone's front garden or whatever. You know, you can just instruct these um, tools to create um, uh, images for you. And through to using um, AI platforms to create copy, you know, to write the best performing copy that you know is is twenty five percent off or whatever it is in terms of you know discounts and so on. Is that the right you know testing these things? So a whole host of um, platforms to just make us faster, slicker. You know, we're not. There's no. I don't think we've seen anything that is going to replace anyone, but it allows us, you know, I know people keep saying this, AI allows, frees us up to do the important stuff. You know, that's that's what we found with it. Um, it's big in, in advertising and um, ad tech in particular is all about efficiency, you know, getting the right thing, converting at the right time in front of the right person. So, um, you know, it, I think there's lots more to come in AI within advertising. And
0: how did you roll out ai to your company then chat gpt came out almost a year ago november 30th yeah what what were your first thoughts and what how did you introduce it to the team or how did you know did you have any guardrails or
1: policies or yeah uh well uh, i'm fortunate in that i mean i'm double the age of half the team um so they're just naturally inclined to just go with that sort of thing they don't see it as peculiar in any way they're all doing it themselves and they're what they're you know their day-to-day lives so no resistance i think everyone upstairs is you know loves it they're all totally engaged you know we have hangouts and people present to us and partners we're working with all the time but i say all the time i mean all the time you know six or seven times a day you know and um they they're like sponges. They absorb it all completely naturally, and they're using it. You know, so n- no resistance. It's um, it's a joy to behold, Kyle. They just go for it. You know, every time. Um, so, but and I think also with the working from home sort of explosion. Um, there's benefits as well there because it assists with certain things you know the mundane tasks they can set mundane is not quite the right word but more the sort of routine or the back end stuff that needs to be done we can we can set up things we don't have to have them in here and watching them do it we know that they can just go and be creative and get on their calls go and do their deals with their clients go and get their media you know, new media and so on so um, no resistance at all ever It's it's great you know and I think we're an ad tech business and we we called ourselves scale. So we feel like we should scale, you know, for our clients. Um, that's quite important, a sort of fundamental part of you know, the, the whole um, ethos of the business.
0: Well, you say no resistance, but really the key here was you didn't have any resistance no. because uh, I was on a webinar a couple of weeks ago where the stat was, you know, 50 percent of companies are still actively kind of preventing people from accessing chat gpt and things ABC, like that yeah. which is uh which is amazing to me almost a year after it's uh, yeah. been launched but you you had no resistance and then how does your team share best practices or oh i tried this and did that do you have some kind of intranet or something where people are sharing uh, how they're using it
1: yes we use monday.com okay um so we're a big monday.com user everything goes through that i mean we had this thing even before chat gpt mean long before I was going to say before AI, but that's not right. Um, we we wanted to create a business that we could deal with our clients without email. That was a sort of loose ambition we had. And actually it's turned out to be kind of right because we don't want anything to live in email for loads of different reasons. There's a whole thing about uh, institutional memory. You, know, you, you go to a meeting and you send an email as a follow-up and it's kind of lost forever because no one ever looks at it again, you know, it's gone. I and mean, if someone leaves, I mean, obviously you can find that email, but it just, the moment's gone. So we wanted to create something that l- lived elsewhere. So we 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 d- we tried to not deal with our clients with email. I mean, the only thing you might do is arranging the appointment that you've got or something, you know. Um, so monday.com gave us all of that and everything lives in there. So we've created processes. And I think some clients we've won is because... They don't see spreadsheets that, or PowerPoints that are all being, you know, 30 meg PowerPoints being emailed. Around. We never do that. We're a Google suite business. Everything, Everything's light, but it's all there. Everything historically is there. Um, and AI has just made that even better. You know, so I think there there's never been any resistance because I felt, as I said to you at the beginning about being a smart agency, I, I feel that technology allows us to be that. You know, we don't see the success of our business as having more bodies. We see it being better for our clients. You know, another, you know, because we don't, we don't enter awards or anything like that. We don't. We just don't feel that that's a good use of our time. So that, there's a whole emphasis on this just being faster and slicker and more efficient and tighter. And AI really gives us that. You know, so it's just it's just come along and accelerated what we were already trying to do.
0: How are you applying uh, AI to monday.com then? Are you using Zapier? Yeah, uh,
1: yeah, we have been using Zapier. I mean, we we glue everything together. I mean, one of the things we've been doing and our outreach for new clients and for new media owners is is exactly that. Although we've actually switched. We don't pull it into Monday now. We pull it into Copper, which is a a G Suite or Google-based CRM, which we started with about a year ago. Um, so it invites to... You know, if we, we're looking, we're doing a p- project at the moment for the British Council in Japan, believe it or not, and for their mm. English language course. So for Japanese people who want to learn English and they want, I mean, obviously there's loads of tools out there, but the British Council have supposedly, and I'm certain they do, the best English language course, you know, online. Um, but finding Japanese media owners, as you can imagine, is quite <laughs> challenging in parts. But AI allows us to, to, to write, copy, translate it, you know, to understand the replies and pull the, the information into Copper with, through different, I mean we've got links through things like Zapier, there's other tools that integrate all the platforms for us so we have this you know, plumbed well plumbed series of tools around the place um, and AI just makes each of those interactions work better, you know that's the that's the key thing for us, I think, at the moment. And you know, we're not we're not writing ads on behalf of our clients or anything like that. You know, that's not specific. I mean, that we 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 recommend media owners or or tools that will do that on behalf of the clients to improve the conversion rate. But that's not something we do. You know, for us, it's all about finding media and putting them together, and, and AI assists with that.
0: I heard Zapier makes you happier, so I don't know if I'm pronouncing it <laughs> wrong, because I thought it was a zap,
1: yeah. like an app, but yeah. no, uh, maybe like it, it is Zapier. It. I, don't yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Zapier makes you happier. doesn't work. I don't I, know.
0: I might be uh, pronouncing it wrong. So you're uh, sort of automating workflows and things like that and, yeah. and pulling... Data yeah. into different systems uh, using yeah. Zapier. So, uh, as far as the process, then, so I'm a new client. I want something done with you. Can you walk through how does that go? Because it seems like there's a lot of testing, A/B yeah. testing, things like that. You're testing social media. You're testing yeah. email marketing, newsletters, whatever to figure out what what's the best channel yeah. to advertise for what they're they're going to sell. So, yeah. just walk me through how you do that how okay. you figure well, that out we for um
1: I'll stick with the mattress example as we've we've used that okay. already um and we have worked with mattress brands before it's actually quite a good mattress in a box was a big big thing here so a mattress brand could talk to us about um an acquisition strategy to complement their display or their tv or their outdoor or their you know other cpc search activity and they come to us to help with their acquisition part, so principally the acquisition piece, or so I said, principally traditionally the acquisition piece was was about the the original affiliate thing we were talking about earlier. It was really the last part of a user journey, getting a sale over the line. You know that final click or last click. People, you know, so there's all these techniques and technologies and incentivised traffic and rewards and air miles and super currencies and vouchers and coupons and everything to get sales over the line. The the thing has changed a little bit now. So it's including uh, influencers or creators and a lot more different types of media owners. Some of the examples we were talking about earlier about lists or content generally. Um, So the lines of what the media does in the... Affiliate channels change slightly. So what we're doing when we're when we're selling to you as an advertiser is representing the media owners we've got to see where we fit in. So you may it depends. The first question we would ask is, you know, what are you doing already? You know, do you have a sophisticated, mature search strategy? You know, what is your you know the amount of budget, As so so you're doing a thousand sales a day, you know, how much of that's coming through search? how much is coming through your display, you know, how how much is just coming organically onto the website and you don't know where it's coming from. You know, start to build out an understanding of that uh, traffic that you've already got. And that firstly, how we might complement that traffic, improve it. Maybe it could be that you want to improve, improve your average order value, you know, the size of each basket. Or you may have, you know, all of your audience is England and you want some traffic in scotland i mean you could have any number of different sorts of problems or you might be finding we're getting lots of clicks to the site but the conversion rate's very poor or it could be a combination of these things or it could be a new competitors come in they're paying a load more commission you know it's a really exciting brand and suddenly our sales have dropped you know so we, we want a competitor led strategy we're going after them um you could have a thousand units of mattresses in a warehouse that you need to sell because you've got a new line coming in that's got a better feel and you say to us look can you get rid of these 1000 mattresses for us you know so there's a whole host of different requirements or a mix of those things that you could come to us with and then our job is to go away and we we benchmark what you're paying against your competitors start to get an understanding we call it discovery or auditing the you know your current setup and we build out these little scenarios and there could be many of those Start to say, okay, for this specific strategy, we need to do this. You know, you're going to need to do this set up for the tracking. Um, these are the sorts of commissions you're going to need to pay to to achieve these things. We start to do tests on your site to see if someone lands on your site, what are they clicking? Are they, are they converting? What products are they buying? Are they just buying the main product? Are they buying the ancillary ones as well? Are they buying pillows and whatever else it might be? Um, or the bed itself, you know, what, what what's happening. So there's quite a lot of discovery first, and then we we present that back and we build out a strategy based on what we've learned and what we um, think we can achieve for you. Of course, that ends in a discussion about budget, as always. We then can set up the tracking through impact.com or if it's a mobile, through our mobile measurement platform partners that we've got. In this case, it's likely to be desktop only, but you, you could buy a mattress through a mobile. But I doubt it. And then we go out and start finding the media. Go out and start building out a portfolio of media partners for you across all these different um, affiliate types. It could be content sites or newspaper groups or magazine sites or interior design websites. Or you know, I mean, it's almost endless. You know, there's never, there's never, you never get to the end of the internet. You know, and build out uh, a media portfolio, and attract and recruit them to start running your program. They then become active, and then we hope they become click active, or the more they might, yeah, well, click active, and then we want them to become sale active, so they're starting to generate sales for you, and then we start optimizing or trying to get them to become, you know a high volume provider of new customers for you so there's a long process from discovery through to you know strategic recruitment of media and then of course we've got to keep them there you know we want we don't want them running off to the competition so we're dealing with the clients all the time dealing with their queries uploading new creatives when you've got new ads to to share with them or you've got specific offers that might be around you know seasonal discounts or you know, World Mattress Day or whatever. I mean, the whole thing's just, I mean, it's extraordinary, really. There's so much that goes on. Um, so we're just constantly backwards and forwards between the advertiser and the, the affiliates um, do, doing these deals all the time, just hoping each day. First thing I do when I log into the platform in the morning, we've got about 60 clients, I um, I sort of look through each one. Wow, they had a good day yesterday. Oh, terrific. Or another one, like, oh, blimey. That was a bad day yesterday, you know, I wonder why. So, you know, we'll be in like, why do they have a bad day yesterday? Oh, well, because, you know, their offer ended or it could be anything, you know. So, you know, we do constantly just crawling all over the, the, the whole platform of advertisers and media owners, making sure that, you know, there's lots of sales happening. And so
0: you don't do the uh, creative part? No. Okay. So it's about acquisition. It's about yeah. affiliate.
1: Well, most good advertisers have their own creatives, okay. which we use. We use theirs. Yeah. Like I say, some AI partners now who provide them. Um, some clients have a, a, an agency, creative agency partner who will deal with. Um, it varies, but but no, we're not we're not creative at all. Okay.
0: And how do you see a AI playing out going forward at Scale Digital?
1: Well, I think with Impact, they are doing a lot with the process because there is quite a lot of heavy lifting and. I mentioned this word hygiene earlier you know it all sounds great but actually there's quite a lot of fiddling around to be done in the background and I think AI is just going to make us better and faster at that you know getting an ad a creative onto a platform somewhere and it being A-B tested and we quickly get a reply to know that you know version A converts better than version B rather than us having to go in and do a report you know it comes to us and and Things around um, the environment, I think, because, as I mentioned earlier, but, you know, somebody gave me this example once, you know, when it starts raining, you want people to start advertising umbrellas, you know, so that's a bit of a sort of stark example, but it makes the point about, mm-hmm. you know, what sorts of ads should be served at any one time, you know, the football's on. So let's set, you know, p- people are going to be ordering pizzas at half time. You know, the, literally is AI is going to help us be better at serving the right ads at the right time because it can understand the environment, you know? Um, so I think that, that on the advertiser side, increased efficiency, increased processes to, to allow that efficiency to happen. And our, our own, processes, which, you know, like I said, we've already started with Kaizen and others. Affiliate AI, which is a, a, a guy I know called Rob, who's developed this very exciting tech, which does a lot of this as well. So I think just faster, better advertising, it, it will be the, the key thing. And we're embracing it fully, you know, it's um, it, it, it's good stuff.
0: And then now you're you getting into influencer marketing. So that's like going and getting an advertiser to help you with this acquisition. Right? Is that are you recruiting influencers, or how how does that?
1: Yeah. Well, there there is a burgeoning sector of the influencer world who tend to be ones with fewer followers who are now more willing to operate on a conversion metric. So, in years gone by, they'd be given a fixed fee to, to to review that mattress, but there was no accountability; they wouldn't know how many sales it generated. But the technology now allows us to track the number of sales that that influencer or creators generated from that review exactly the same as a desktop affiliate exactly the same as that amazon affiliate in 1997 so they're sharing in in the risk so they're advertising as an influencer now they're in their own minds they're geared towards not just reviewing that product but getting the viewer to go and buy it as well so that's the the bit that's really exciting now so influencers and Affiliates are emerging, so yes, we go and find those influencers who have a relevant following across their different channels. We work with TikTok, Pinterest, Facebook, you know, all the way on Instagram, everything you'd expect, and LinkedIn's a big one. And find people who've got the, the right audience that reflects what our advertisers are trying to do. And in fact, they're, they're fast becoming the best. In fact, they probably are now the you know the, the best media source out there because their audience types are so precise. You know exactly when they post something, you know exactly who's seeing it, you know, the, 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 you know, the measurement or the types of audience that they have following them. So reported so in such a granular way, I mean, it's extraordinary really. So it's, it's a really good new media channel for, for advertisers in acquisition, not just brand. What are
0: the sizes of audience that you're sort of targeting then?
1: Yeah, good question. I mean, we've done some things with people who have as few as 10,000 followers, up to hundreds of thousands. I mean, we don't, we haven't really done... Much, there's a couple that are over a million, but we haven't really got... The the, the people who've got those higher following amounts command f- large fixed fees, and they're not really into the conversion metric. It's slightly different. They are much more the awareness, big brands. So, so if you're a brand, you know, retail... Um, you know the the influences that they they are still operating on a brand and awareness, sometimes an education type metric with very fixed fees, whereas we're we're under a million normally under half a million to be honest with you carl who are, who are doing they might have some fixed fees I mean they might get three or five thousand pounds as a as a fixed, and the rest of their money they earn will be through the conversions. There's some other great stuff happening with them um, impact where, you know, user generated content generally and the whole royalties business. You know, if, it, if an influencer creates a really nice piece of content that they post to for them to post it once and then for it to di- disappear is, is you know, a, a waste. So now there are ways that if somebody creates a, a nice piece of content, the, the brand can reuse it and pay a royalty to that influencer so every time that ad is served they might um, you know 1p or something and a lot of 1ps can be uh, you know quite a nice little income so there's there's all there's the, the industry's moving now influencers creators generally within our specific acquisition channels really come on in, i mean in the last 18 months it's absolutely transformed and we've followed that you know we, we've changed because of it it's great. It's an interesting topic.
0: So the, the influencer doesn't repost it. They actually give the, say, video content from TikTok to a brand and then they somehow use it in their yeah. own materials the and then Impact they get a royalty. That. Yeah. Okay. Impact does that.
1: So you do a deal with the, the influencer and say, look, you know, you, you, can, earn, you can keep earning from this. Wow yeah it's good, isn't it? yeah, yeah
0: that's really cool, yeah. and, and, so- it, and
1: anyone can do that you could do that yeah. today and if something okay if the brand likes it or we like it, we go, look, that's really good and you have you've also got things if someone reposts it, you know we've had some things where we've had um people who've got say thirty thousand followers or something, and another influencer who's got fifty thousand followers reposts it. So the first guy or lady will get commission on the second, who's even bigger than they are. <laughs> you know, there's this whole world of commissions going on. Yeah, with, um, the way that people earn money on those those conversions. And but do you, t- you estimate, technology allows that to be tracked?
0: And, and do you estimate that it's just a, like what is the market size for influencer, like unimaginably high? I don't think anyone. Super
1: high. Yeah, I don't think anyone. I think now. I remember there was a stat about two years ago that there were more product searches on Amazon now than there are on, well, this was two years ago, but there are more product searches on Amazon every day than there were on Google, believe it or not. Um, and and I, th- I, I think now that, that that sort of search type, go-to click type activity is being replaced by people responding to social media posts I haven't given the exact numbers, but it's it's soon to overtake it, I think. I mean, it gives you some idea how big Amazon are, Amazon are anyway. But um, it's, it's taking over everything. You know, I mean, brands are desperate to work with good influencers who've, you know, there's just something good about a really good post reviewing a product independently. Um, conversion rates are fabulous. And this whole royalty piece, rather than just appearing on a web page somewhere once and it sort of sits there and looks a bit tighter. that's not that's not fair. It doesn't look tight, but it, it it lacks a bit of the you know the excitement of a, a social media post that suddenly goes out there and people are absorbing it and you know um, experiencing the ad. Um, although. The, the best thing is a combination of all of it. You know, you you want awareness, education, brand, your consideration, all the way through the user journey to that moment someone clicks buy. You know, that's the holy grail. What do you feel like is the top channel to
0: advertise and acquire? Is it is it just based on whatever the product is,
1: or it's it's a, it's the combination of all of them? Okay, a good sophisticated advertiser will have all of them purring at the same time and synthesized and synchronized and they will have multi-agency days where they're instructing we've got some good uh, clients who do this for us where they'll instruct us at the same time and we're working with Pret at the moment they're really good great guys we're very smart and you know they, they will have meetings we did one in here the other day we're talking about, you know, they share their problems with us so we can go away and think about it. And they're not really the problems. They're, they're more like opportunities, to be honest. Um, and they've got all of their activity working together. You know, and that, and that's the that's the best way to do it. You know, don't hide things would be odd. Um, uh, you know, get your agencies and the channels working together because awareness and brand will result in, you, you can't just have a an acquisition play if people don't know who you are and, and vice versa. So there's a, there's a, a, a a synthesis thing that, you know, the sum of the whole is greater than the sum of the parts.
0: I like that answer. So do you find that these uh, advertisers are optimizing for every channel? Cause I know there's tools like repurpose where you can just basically put a TikTok up and then it will it'll just take it, take TikTok logo off of it and post it to Facebook and LinkedIn and YouTube or whatever. Are they, the sophisticated, the, the, the best advertisers, are they optimizing and making, basically taking the content and optimizing the size or the copy for each of these channels? Y-
1: yes, they should be. Funny enough, we, on Friday last week, we had a demo from this company called um, Human Element. we Element Human, one of the two. Very interesting stuff they've got where they do they do that. So they they've got like these heat maps. And, you know, the, look, the technology looks at a post and understands what is converting best and, you know, recommending that, that the media owner or, or in combination with the advertiser to say, you know, it's when this product is advertised in the daytime outside, it converts better than inside, for argument's sake, whatever it is. There's so many different variations on it. So there's lots of tools out there that optimization tools that, and they will be different. You know, a, a Facebook ad is different to a to a TikTok one. You know, they're different formats. Um, so yeah, that that optimization thing. If you've got critical mass, you know, like Pret had for example, you know, you, you you can really use technology to improve. And those increments, half a quarter or half a percent, and it was so important. You know, conversion rate improvement of a quarter of one percent is highly valuable increase right yeah
0: can you just talk a little about uh, about these investment companies so you're you're a a partner or owner in three different companies and two of them are early stage investment vehicles and how did how did you get into that
1: yeah well scale is different I mean in scale I I work full time you know sort of founder Um, but 59A and Kaizen are both similar stories really guys that I know um from the industry the ad tech industry in in london who you know i've worked with them all and you know we're we're pals and i'd recognized because we get approached quite a lot about you know in 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 the industry we're in there's a lot of founders a lot of things going on that you know you're interested in you can't invest in everything obviously but both of those businesses are very attracted to half because of the technology but half because of the team behind you know um adam and austin at 59a and uh, prav and glenn who i was telling you about earlier kaizen are both great teams of you know significant heft in the industry i know they're going to be a success um and i was just given the opportunity to come in early um you know we spent time understanding the product at the sort of pre-alpha stage on both and uh, and my my colleague here at scale dom the same he's he's involved with those businesses and we um we figured it was a good you know good to sort of spread our risk a little bit and have some investments in these types of businesses and we support them in different ways and we you know we use kaizen um and you know we're great ambassadors and spokespeople for those businesses and you know, there's lots of breakfasts and the odd beer involved as well in the <laughs> okay. West End, as you imagine. And, um, you know, a lot of mutuality, really. People that we know, we recommend to each other. So, you know, I was lucky to meet them or know them both at the very early stage, really, and be attracted to the, the products and know that those guys were going to take them through. So they're both doing really well. And
0: so they both have products. So it's not just an investment. These aren't investment companies. These are. These you're an investor ad tech in the businesses okay both yeah. of them well, are ma- ma-
1: and glenn's business is more Kaiser's more marketing tech business so the client services tool um whereas a 59a is an is an ad tool for brands you know it's a direct brand tool for them i mean we'd need another session to explain 59a okay. it's a br- brilliant piece of technology um you know for, for very specific targeting and using um some incredible data sets that uh, that they use to improve performance for appetizers, And they, they've grown from... We actually... When we were at the Impact Office a couple of years ago, there's just two of them, and I think there's 55 of them now, and they've gone wow. to the US. You know, good good stories, both of them, and we're pleased to you know be part of their journey. We just happen to be residing at their offices which are a couple of streets oh, away okay. here, we had a bank of desks which impact kindly let us have for a short period and uh, actually quite a long period in the end and they sat with us when they started the business and literally on the same desks with us and uh, that's kind of how it works carl i think you know you just there's a bit who you know at the right time and yeah had a bit of cash so we got involved and you know we 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 loved the journey you know that that um I think, you know, we put a lot into scale, you know, we've really had, put, but I think one of the things as we move through the gears in the, in the coming years, is to horizontally integrate into other technologies and maybe build some of our own, but certainly invest in the ones that we can see are the the exciting ones.
0: Yeah, that's mm. really fascinating. I wish we had more time to dive into that. The one thing I was going to ask you, as far as um, who you know, I heard the other day uh, the saying i would never heard before, but I love it. Your network is your net worth, mm. and and I think that's maybe what you're getting to as, f- as far as it's it's really about the who, not the how. Yeah, right? very
1: much so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm lucky in a couple of the businesses that I worked at. Um, I mean the three the three networks I worked at actually one was it was called Espotting, became Meva Trade Double was another one, and WebGains is the last one. I was fortunate enough to just meet. So many interesting people, like literally dozens, hundreds, probably. And, you know, they're now scattered all over London. They're all MDs and CEOs and founders and things. So the network is important for us, you know. It's great. And I enjoy it too because I like the subject. So, you know, I'm pleased to see people I know doing well. And it helps the scale business as well, generally. I think we have, you know, referral partners, if you like, who, you know, want the best for us. And, you know, we're referring. Uh, partners back to or clients back to people all the time we never have a kickbacks or anything like that we just say to people we send them a a uh, fortner and mason hamper we say when the when we get a lead, we're going to pass it back to you. So that's the most important thing. So yeah, it's good. It's a good part of our setup here. The contacts, which is how we met, of course. Yes, for sure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's crazy how that how that works. Yeah. So I I do uh, Stephen have have a lightning round of questions. These are very fast, and it. then we'll wrap up with just a, a couple more questions at the end. What's your favorite candy bar? Uh,
1: I don't really have a sweet tooth, but I'm going to go with. I like dark chocolate. Marks and Spencer's 70% salted, black salted chocolate I like.
0: Awesome. I'm going to get it before I go home. Favorite musical artist?
1: Oh, artist. Goodness me, I can't possibly answer that. I mean, Stones, Beatles, Floyd, Bowie, you know, the classics. uh, I couldn't pick one. I just couldn't do that. Sorry. Okay. Can I have them all?
0: Fair enough. <laughs> Favorite cereal? Porridge. Mac or PC?
1: PC. Well, I use a Chromebook, actually. Okay. <laughs> so is that considered yeah, exactly. Android? I don't know. Yes, it is. It, yeah. It's Android. Yeah, well, it's called okay. a Chrome operating system. You don't see many of them around, but uh, yeah, and neither. So, neither. <laughs> okay. Chromebook.
0: Nice. And then uh, Google or Microsoft? Google. Dogs or cats? Cats. Phantom
1: or Les Mis? Uh, ooh. I loved the Les, Les Mis book. It was an amazing read. Mm. Les, Les Mis, because the book is just incredible. Yeah.
0: Okay. Mm. What's That the, bit with
1: the priest and the song and the... Yeah, Les, Les yes. Mis, yeah. Mm.
0: Yes. Mm. Uh, so what's, um, what's the best piece of business advice anyone's given you? What's the best piece of...
1: Well, Glenn says to me, stop doing the invoicing and do more selling. And he's right. I think that's probably one I, I, advice. Oh, gosh. I think there's something specific that, I mean, I get, I'm lucky. I get so much all the time. I think um, your, your ego is not your amigo was something somebody <laughs> said to me a like while that. ago. And that's that's quite good, I think. Um, that's really good yeah just uh don't take it too personally just get on do some business, just business go and enjoy it um uh, no, nothing specific sorry carl i wish i had a decent answer for no, you. no i but, like uh, i like both those answers because
0: <laughs> yeah. spend more time selling yeah, yeah. Is, is a good
1: piece of well business i enjoy advice. that as well yeah. that's the bit i like doing and get a kick okay. out of that so um, get my head out of zero and get on the phones nice yeah so what's the book that you recommend the most to people uh that I recommend the most. Well, I've just read The Road by Cormac McCarthy, which I'd always intended to read, and it was amazing. But I think you were talking about a business book, aren't you? They can be. It can <laughs> be any book. Right? Um, I just say, I should say to my daughter just read the papers. Is the thing, you know? Just you've got to consume information and news. I don't. I haven't got a particular book. I don't think I've recommended. Uh, just the 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 one I normally recommend is the one I've just read so uh okay the uh, road we'll count it the road yeah it's a heck of a book that is read it two or three times yeah it's it's interesting wasn't what i expected but i enjoyed it yeah yeah it's really good
0: really good especially Mm. if you have children that's right uh, yeah Yeah. very powerful as a father yeah to read the road by cormac mccarthy yeah yeah personally
1: i love 20th century american literature i mean that's almost exclusively what i enjoy you know for my fiction reading I, I i love all those guys you know it's it's, it's it's brilliant um so uh we'll go with the road okay yeah
0: we'll take it we'll take it steven yeah. so thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy My schedule pleasure. to be on maker manager money i really appreciate it i'm so glad that jeanette connected us yeah. so that this could happen here in london yeah and I wish you Great. the best Thank in, you. in your future endeavors. And I, I hope that Scale Digital can continue to scale and do amazing things over the coming years. Great. I look forward to Thanks, seeing in to your, see your journey. You. Cheers. Okay, cheers. Cheers.
1: You never get to the end of the internet, you know.